The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. All right, I want to sort of get ahead of this story and spend some time today talking about supposed Biden mask mandates, because the amount of disinformation that we're already seeing, if it's at all a preview, is going to absolutely explode when Joe Biden is actually sworn in as president of the United States on January 20th. So to go back a little bit, right wingers have been warning even during the campaign, Joe Biden will lock everyone in their homes. Joe Biden will be a dictator with masks and all sorts of other things if he becomes president. And over the last 48 to 72 hours, we heard two different things that are not the same thing. Very important. We heard from Dr. Anthony Fauci that indeed Joe Biden plans to do a hundred day mask initiative. And within that, there will be a piece that is a federal mask mandate. Now, when you hear federal mask mandate, many people imagine something that is very different from what we're actually going to get. So let me say this in the clearest terms possible. Joe Biden nor any president can mandate a national mask wearing uh, law where everybody's forced to wear a mask outside of their homes. I've already addressed this. So listen very closely to what I'm going to say. What Joe Biden can do is address the nation from the Oval Office and ask people to wear masks. He can call the governors of 50 states and ask them to put in place mask mandates, which governors can do in various areas. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker is an example earlier this week. He's a Republican announced that there will be a mask mandate in workplaces in Massachusetts. We got an email from our office tenant where everybody's working from home anyway right now. But they said everybody's got to wear a mask per Charlie Baker's order. Governors can do that given states rights. And yet there's a ton of headlines today which are very confusing in talking about a Joe Biden nationwide mask mandate suggesting the federal government will force everybody to wear a mask. So let me explain what's going on as the president of the United States, part of the uh, of federal government. Joe Biden plans to issue a mask mandate that includes federal buildings as well as airplanes, trains and buses, which are regulated by the federal Department of Transportation. That's it. That's the mandate. That's what the president can do via executive order. And in just about every state, masks are already required in all of those places. Now, I do have some federal government employee friends who work in red states who have told me, you know, the the equivalent agency in Massachusetts and in California, you've got to wear a mask in my office for that same agency in a red state. Our boss has not mandated masks that will change based on this mask mandate for federal buildings, but it will change very little else. So before we go crazy misstating what this is, Joe Biden's mandate will apply only to federal buildings and transportation vehicles uh, regulated by the DOT. Beyond that, any mass guidelines from Biden will merely be guidelines. They will be requests. They will be proposals. Uh, it will be up to your governor to decide what to do. That's it. Now, Dr. Fauci has said wearing masks for 100 days is a good idea. It will be up to the people and governors ultimately to decide what it is they want to do for people who have been wearing masks for months already. This is going to be much ado about nothing. Consider that, you know, there is now a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's actually work together to, to start getting past this. If we can start, here's my trajectory. If we can start vaccinating five to seven percent of our population each month, 
Maybe that includes December. Maybe we only get, you know, one, two percent done in December. In January, we get five to seven percent, February, et cetera. This means in six months, we could have somewhere between 30 and 42 percent of the population vaccinated, plus the five to 10 percent who will have recovered from the virus. We don't yet know how uniform uh, immunity is when you recover. There's the idea that if you have a very light case, your immunity may not be as robust as if you recover from a more serious case. So we don't know exactly, but we could be heading towards a roughly 50 percent level of immunity by May 1st, maybe by May 15th. That won't be the end, but it will be a dramatically better situation. We will also likely at that point have cheap at home tests. So like for me, if I imagine, hey, I might be able to order 50 or 100 of these cheap at home rapid tests. I've been very cautious, but I've continued going to the grocery store. I go to the post office during the summer. I was hanging out outdoors with friends, eating outdoors at restaurants. If we had on May 15th, May 1st, May 15th, 50 percent immunity and these at home tests, I would likely be ready to say, for example, hey, here's a group of six friends. We've all been working from home. If we all do a rapid test, I would be comfortable if we're all negative, hanging out indoors, maintaining a reasonable amount of distance, uh, assuming we're, we're at 50 percent immunity with these tests. OK, I mean, listen, it's 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 not perfect, but we're talking about May, June and, and to be clear with half the country vaccinated. Now, you also have to remember there is a lag time on vaccination immunity. And what I mean by that is the time until vaccinated people actually reduce the number of deaths could is is weeks. And what I mean by that is on day one, you get dose number one. Dose number one confers some immunity, but not all. So that starts to have an effect. Day 22, 21 days later, you get your second dose. And then seven days after that, you would be considered to be not, you know, there's a 95 percent chance that you were immune. So by day 28 to 29, you ideally are no longer getting other people sick who you might have gotten sick were you not vaccinated since it takes 20 days in general from when someone catches the virus to when they die if they're going to die vaccinated individuals will not be fully effective at reducing deaths for 48 days we won't see the impact on deaths of a vaccinated individual for up to 48 days. Now, we know that after dose one, you can be as much as 70 or even 75 percent likely uh, to, to be immune. So these are all confidence intervals. But I think you understand the point that there's a lag time um, before which vaccination uh, is not really doing doing that much to stop cases and to stop death. So the, the point is, this is a process and it, there is every indication that by May 1, May 15, we will be in a better situation. Masks will likely be required in, in just as many places as they are today. Uh, but we are now we had twenty nine hundred sixty people die yesterday. We're essentially at a nine eleven every day. So rather than the point is, rather than lying about what Joe Biden plans to do, let's work together and start getting past this. I'm going to tell you right now about one of the most disgusting abuses of police power that we have seen uh, in a while in terms of an anecdotal individual story. Back on May 20th, I brought you the story of Rebecca Jones from Florida. She is the scientist who used to run the Florida COVID dashboard. And back in May, she was fired, as she put it, because she refused to manipulate the data to make it look better 
in Florida. Uh, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis made the decision in Florida to open up really early before it made sense. And she was told, uh, she claims, to censor data, change other data, make it seem as though the premature opening in Florida was not actually premature. She wasn't willing to do it. She says that's why she was fired. This week, Rebecca Jones's home was raided in a military style raid. We have video of the raid. We're showing it to our television audience. Police burst in shouting, pointing guns. Why were they there at all? Police were serving a search warrant against Rebecca Jones for a suspected computer crime. What is that crime? Well, remember, she was fired for she says she was fired for refusing to manipulate covid data. The allegation is that after she was fired and therefore was no longer a Florida state employee, she logged onto the government messaging system meant only for employees of the state of Florida to send a message to her coworkers that she was asked to modify the data and is refusing to do so. And for that alleged crime of sending a message, she was on the receiving end of a militarized police raid of her home. Jones, by the way, denies that she even did that. She says, no, I, I, I went public. I you know, wrote an op ed in the Miami Herald. I um, spoke publicly, but I, I didn't even do the thing I'm accused of doing. So the immediate suspicion was that this came from the top, that Republican Governor Ron DeSantis was behind all of it. DeSantis has denied involvement. But now the part that's becoming the focus is that the raid was carried out in an obviously absurd way. It's completely indefensible how this was done. Police burst in with weapons as Jones is crying. She's yelling that there's kids in the house, that her husband is in the house. And Jones even says police pointed guns at her kids. Police deny that they pointed guns at her kids. Police are saying, listen, Jones took a while to answer the door that escalated the level of aggressiveness that we used. And the problem here is that the, the, the problem is the paradigm of the raid at all. What is tantamount to a SWAT team showing up because someone is suspected of using an employee only messaging system to send a message? We can have a bigger debate about if and whether militar militarized police raids should be used for search warrants at all. But the debate would be confined to people suspected of violent crimes, high level crimes, people who are uh, uh, believed to be uh, uh, risks of some kind or, or something else. Almost no one with any semblance of common sense would even say, let's debate whether an alleged crime like this warrants a militarized police uh, search warrant serving. It's ridiculous and it's the worst of the worst of the overuse of police power. Now, the individual level uh, at the individual level, the officers themselves don't appear to have done anything wrong, certainly that will be provable in terms of you know, they pointed guns at my kids. Police say they didn't, you know, unless there's video of that. My point is not to excuse the officers individual, but to explain that they announced themselves. They secured people in the house. They they roughly followed protocol in these militarized raids. The problem is that such a raid took place at all. The orders were from whoever decided that this was the suspect and were going in guns blazing. And the problem, of course, is that the decision to execute this in that way was made. That's the problem. And the suspicion, of course, is this was retribution against Rebecca Jones because she refused to falsify covid data back in May to say that this is over policing is not even a strong enough phrase. If we saw this in another country, we would all be saying this is an authoritarian strong arming of a whistleblower to intimidate them for exposing that very government that went after them. If we saw it elsewhere, that's what we would be saying. Uh, let me know your thoughts. I want to hear from you. I'm on Twitter 
at D. Pacman. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. I want to let you know that our sponsor, Vincero Watches, is having a massive holiday sale on all of their products right now, and you can take advantage of it by going to davidpacman.com slash watch. A brand new high quality wristwatch really is the perfect way to add something fresh to your style, whether it's for you or a gift for someone else. Vincero is a brand that has a serious dedication to the craft of watchmaking, which is really evident when you look closely at their watches. I wear Vincero watches myself. Lately, I've been wearing one from their Icon Automatic collection. It's the mesh matte black watch, and I love the sleek, minimalist design. Their watches are actually sold at a fair price. Their mission has always been to make a wristwatch from high end materials, but one that everyday people can afford. And that's why they have over twenty five thousand five star reviews, because you won't find a better made watch for this great of a price anywhere else. You can get big holiday discounts on all of their products right now and free shipping when you go to davidpackmancom slash watch. I've put the link in the podcast notes. Privacy.com is one of our sponsors, and they're giving you $5 just for using their free service at privacy.com slash Pacman. Privacy is a service I've been using for a while now. I love it. It saves me a bunch of headaches. It's completely free and it's very quick to set up. And here's how it works. When you pay for something online or over the phone, instead of exposing your real credit card number, privacy lets you generate virtual card numbers. The payments are withdrawn from your checking account, but your real card number stays completely private and you do it all with one click. You can autofill the card number in your web browser on the phone. You can create 12 virtual cards a month. You can set spending limits, freeze them, delete them whenever you want. I especially love it for free trials where you need to give a credit card number because I can destroy the virtual card number as soon as I give it to the company and I know I won't be charged in the future. If you're ordering food over the phone, why do I need to give a restaurant my real card number if I don't have to? Companies don't have to know who you are. Your real credit card number is protected from the data breaches that happen, unfortunately, more often than we would like. And it's completely free. They do have a paid version with different tiers where you can create more virtual credit card numbers per month, cashback rewards, extra security features. But go ahead and sign up for the free service. It's a no brainer. Companies can't charge you unexpectedly. You're protected from identity theft. It costs you nothing. And privacy is giving you five dollars to spend just for signing up when you go to privacy.com slash Pacman. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. The David Pacman Show depends primarily on folks like you, listeners, viewers who get a membership at joinpacman.com. Uh, consider yourselves invited. You will get access to the daily bonus show, an extra show for our members every day. And you can sign up in mere moments at joinpacman.com. We do have a coupon code available. That coupon code is fresh start. If you would like a discount, you can use the code. Don't feel obligated, but either way, you can sign up at joinpacman.com. The Hatriot Mail continues to fly in uh, fast and furious. Quick reminder what is Hatriot Mail? Take your mask and shove it. 
Now, let me tell you about my fake medical condition. Patriot Mail. Written by patriots who hate David Pakman. Because America. And because freedom. All right, so I really need uh, your help in figuring out what on earth this week's Hatriot is talking about. What what on earth are they accusing me of? Take a listen to this. David Pakman is a frustrated loser, a clueless, out of touch, beta, gamma male, someone who didn't develop socially in a proper way and who now has a chip on his shoulder. You're a loser, David, even though you have a million subscribers. David Pakman is a very easily triggered beta male whose personality I can recognize from losers at school growing up. He used the name of a donator who happened to be a Jew. David Pakman is a loser. What does this even mean? He uh, he used a name of a donator who happened to be Jewish. Like, is, is the allegation that my name isn't really David Pakman, but I've I've adopted the name David Pakman on the show because it's the name of a different Jewish person. I don't I really don't understand this. And gamma male, I've never heard. Like, I'm guessing gamma male is worse than even beta male. Um, and of course, that's very inaccurate. I've always considered myself an epsilon male, to be totally frank. You can you can check with people who know me. They will commit to that. Epsilon male is much more appropriate. So listen, the way to fight patriotism is uh, very simple. Use the coupon code Hatriot 40 when you sign up on my website, joinpacman.com. And whenever the code Hatriot 40 is used, you save 40 percent off of a membership. And the Hatriots cry. They're just bawling. They're 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 tear. The tears won't stop flowing and they're MAGA tears, to be perfectly frank. The coupon code is H-A-T-R-I-O-T four zero. So I believe that we are getting closer to the beginning of the middle of the natural end of Donald Trump's continued unhinged baseless efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Uh, Donald Trump and others have continued to insist this is going to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is going to decide and the Supreme Court is going to do all sorts of great things for Donald Trump and he will win and he will get another term. Well, the Supreme Court has finally weighed in for the first time and they have uh, refused to block Pennsylvania from formalizing the victory of Joe Biden. Now, as I'm sure you've heard by now, even without Pennsylvania, if through some completely unimaginable circumstance, Pennsylvania went to Trump, which it's not going to even without Pennsylvania, Joe Biden would still win. Joe Biden has 306 electoral votes. Pennsylvania is worth 20. If you take those away from Joe Biden, he still wins with 286 electoral votes. That's 16 more than the 270 that are required. But the point here is with five days left, until the official electoral vote is cast on December 14th, the Supreme Court shows absolutely no interest and no willingness to get involved in holding this up in any way. This was sort of what well, one of the last ditch efforts so that you understand the argument that was used. Republican Congressman Mike Kelly filed a lawsuit claiming that when Pennsylvania expanded mail in voting in 2019, it was illegal under state law. That was the legal complaint that sort of worked its way through the system since the election. The court very briefly 
uh, uh, wrote a rejection notice. Um, they were asked to throw out the absentee ballots. They said, we're not going to do that. They just said, no, there were no noted dissents from a single justice on the court. Notice also that the arguments they've been making about why this election was unfair range dramatically. In some states, the problem is they counted the same ballots many times. They allege these are all unproven allegations. Some states, same ballots counted many, many times. Other states, Republican observers weren't allowed to observe. Other states expanding vote by mail was illegal. Other states sending supposedly unsolicited ballots was fraudulent in some way. Other states, someone hid and then pulled out duffel bags of ballots from the ceiling or from under a table or wherever they came from. In some states, dead people voted in others. People voted twice, et cetera, et cetera. And every single one of these claims in court have not stood up. And it actually that it's not even accurate to say that in court, they very often don't even make these claims. It's really common that you'll see a Trump lawyer on TV say one thing happened when they filed the legal complaint to the court. They don't make the same argument often because they know there's no evidence of it. Yesterday, also a Michigan federal court denied a Republican attempt to preserve election data and machines for some kind of future inspection. So we are having a situation in which these lame attempts to overturn the election results, they're kind of naturally winding down. Donald Trump's two primary lawyers on this, Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis, they both now have coronavirus. We'll talk about Jenna Ellis's diagnosis a little bit later. Rudy supposedly is going to be appearing at some events remotely from his hospital room. But Trump has now lost more than 50 legal challenges. We're five days from the formal electoral vote and Donald Trump reportedly might be heading to Florida for vacation soon. There are suspicions he won't even return to the White House. So slowly but surely, without anybody at any point saying it's over, uh, people on Trump's side, I mean, we've been we've called this a month ago and so did media outlets and states have certified, but slowly but surely this entire thing is going to kind of evaporate. And on the basis of California now certifying their election, Biden has formally won more than 270 electoral votes. The the very final step is for that electoral vote to actually take place on December 14th, where the electors designated by each state say we cast our electoral votes uh, for Joe Biden or for Donald Trump, depending on the state that that they are in. So we're five days from that. And I think it will be over at that point, although who knows, maybe some will keep insisting that Joe Biden won't be sworn in on January 20th. He will. That's it. And we'll have more coverage of this on our Instagram page. You can follow us on Instagram at David Pakman Show. And of course, follow me on Instagram at david.pakman as well. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. One of our sponsors today is Lucy, and they are giving my audience 20 percent off. Lucy is a company founded by Caltech scientists with only one mission, which is to help people quit smoking and vaping by offering a clean, affordable nicotine alternative. Now, many of you know, you've heard the stories. I've known several people in my life who have struggled with quitting smoking. I've seen how difficult it can be. 
and nicotine alternatives can be hugely helpful. Lucy offers a nicotine gum in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon and pomegranate. They also have lozenges which come in cherry ice flavor. Lucy is affordable. It'll ship right to your door. You don't have to go out to the store. Shipping is always free. You can buy single boxes or save with a subscription. It's the year 2020. It's time to throw the cigarettes away and get rid of the vape and Lucy can make it easier. You'll find a ton of excellent reviews online from countless people who have used Lucy to quit smoking and vaping. Go check them out at lucy.co. That's L U C Y dot co. The URL is in the podcast notes, and you will get 20% off when you use the coupon code Pacman. Quick disclaimer I'm required to give these products contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. One of the things I make a priority on the show is not to perpetuate stigma for things that don't deserve it. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about many things where we should all just be respectful adults, period, and we would be better off. And Blue Chew can increase performance and give you that extra confidence you may be looking for. Bluechew.com, blue like the color blue, is the first chewable with the same FDA approved ingredient as in Viagra and Cialis. It can be taken day or night, even on a full stomach, since it's chewable. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed doctors. You don't have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line at a pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. We've got a special deal for our viewers and listeners. Go to bluechew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Pacman. That's P A K M A N. Pay just five dollars shipping. That's B L U E chew.com. Promo code Pacman to try it totally free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the David Pacman Show. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. Yesterday on the show, I told you that coronavirus vaccine manufacturers Pfizer and Moderna rightly turned down an invitation from Donald Trump to go to this propaganda event at the White House, which they call the vaccine summit. And it is a, it's a really good thing that Pfizer and Moderna did turn that down because it was completely humiliating and embarrassing. And Donald Trump simply could not contain himself once again, blurting out seemingly uncontrollably that he won when he took questions having nothing whatever to do with vaccination. So let's go through this and you will quickly notice that Donald Trump, although he likely realizes that Joe Biden will be president on January 20th, he still can't accept that he simply lost. And this is exactly the behavior we would predict from narcissists like Donald Trump. This is exactly what they would struggle with. So we'll start with the wackiest moment which is when Donald Trump was confronted with the reality that the next administration, Joe Biden's administration, they will be overseeing most of the vaccine distribution. And wouldn't it make sense to involve them in this discussion? And Trump just can't help himself. And he blurts out he won. You know, he won. Check it out. 
and he sort of tries to stay on track, but he falls apart with lies about stealing the election. Just a humiliating answer. The next administration will be the one ultimately that implements a lot of the distribution of this vaccine and will oversee much of the future of the way Operation Warp Speed goes forward. Why not include members of the Biden transition team as part of this summit that you're hosting today? Well, we're going to have to see who the next administration is because uh, we won in those swing states and uh, there was uh, terrible things that went on. So we're going to have to see who the next administration is. But whichever the next administration is will really benefit by what we've been able to do with this incredible science, uh, the doctors, all of the people that came up, the lab technicians, the, wor the work that's been done is incredible. And it will be incredible for the next administration. And hopefully the next administration will be the Trump administration because you can't steal hundreds of thousands of votes. You can't have fraud and deception and all of the things that they did and then slightly win a swing state. And you just have to look at the numbers, look at what's been on tape, look at all the corruption, and we'll see. You can't win an election like that. So hopefully the next administration uh, will be the Trump administration, a continuation, which has led us to the highest stock markets we've ever had, the best employment numbers we've ever had, a rebuilt military. Uh, if you look at uh, the tax reductions are the greatest in history, the regulation reductions, the greatest in history. It leads us to Space Force, which nobody thought was possible. All of the things we've done, and we were rewarded with a victory. Now let's see whether or not somebody has the courage, whether it's a legislator or legislatures, or whether it's a justice of the Supreme Court or a number of justices of the Supreme Court. Let's see if they have the courage to do what everybody in this country knows is right. I received almost 75 million votes, the highest number of votes in the history of our country for a sitting president. So that's two minutes of cuckoo off the wall stuff. I'm not going to go through all of it. But as you can see, Donald Trump cannot accept his loss. He still is telling lies after lies after lies about the election. Trump then falsely claimed plainly that it would take five to six years to make a vaccine normally were it not for Trump. Thanks to Operation Warp Speed, he did it in nine months. And then later he says, you know, without Operation Warp Speed, it could take infinity to make a vaccine. Before Operation Warp Speed, the typical time frame for development and approval, as you know, uh, could be infinity. Now, as I've told you before, but it bears repeating, the reason that the Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca Oxford vaccines were developed quickly both in and out of the US. Understand that the timeline was identical in and out of the US, regardless of Operation Warp Speed, is it's a different type of vaccine. This it's a vaccine that works on an mRNA platform rather than a live or weakened virus. It has nothing to do with Trump. It's science. It's a type of vaccine that's faster to develop. I mentioned yesterday that Donald Trump failed to secure possibly 100 million doses of the vaccine offered to him by Pfizer in late summer. We're going to talk about this more later. But now Donald Trump is trying to hide this by talking about an executive order. Listen to this. We're working with the world. We have great companies and we're working with the world. In just a few minutes, I'll sign an executive order to ensure that the United States government prioritizes the getting out of the vaccine to American citizens before sending it to other nations. Now, if necessary, I told you, we'll invoke uh, the Defense Production Act. So what Trump is doing here, because he failed to simply say, yes, give us the doses, 
he now realizes there's going to be a supply issue since Pfizer sold the doses Trump turned down to other countries. So Trump has come up with an executive order he's going to sign. It's not clear at all that the executive order will do a damn thing. It's not clear how it would be enforced. It's not clear who would enforce it. It's not clear how it gets us a single additional dose. Trump failed again, but he has this executive order idea, which we'll talk about more later. And then Trump, I guess, struggling with language and physics, saying cases will soon skyrocket downwards. Listen to that. Uh, the numbers should skyrocket downward. I guess he means cases will soon burrow down deep into the ground. Very, very low. Strange language to be using. And then Trump actually took some questions. He was asked about we have holidays upcoming. We how do you want people to be safe? Vaccines won't be widely rolled out until next year. And Trump seems to refer to approaching herd immunity because of what he claims are 15 percent of people who got the virus and recovered. It's a very weird moment. Their guidelines and the very important guidelines, but uh, I think this. I think that the vaccine was our goal. That was number one because that was the way. Uh, it was the way it ends. Plus, you do have an immunity. You develop immunity over a period of time, and I hear we're close to 15 percent. I'm hearing that, and that is terrific. That's a very powerful vaccine in itself. So the president seems to be saying there. 15% of the country already got the virus and they've recovered, so they're immune. So we have 15% immunity right now. This is a dangerous claim for a few reasons. Number one, officially, we've only had 15 and a half million cases, uh, minus nearly 300,000 that died, meaning we have about 15.2 million people we know about who uh, ha either have recovered or have the virus now, most of whom will survive. That's under 5% of the population. When Trump says 15 percent have had it and recovered, it's possible that for every case we know about, there's two point something more that we don't know about. That would mean, you know, about 50 million people have had the virus. It could be a stretch. We don't know. But the really dangerous part is we don't know whether every recovered patient is equally immune or how long that natural immunity lasts. It's possible that most of those light or asymptomatic cases may not have the same immunity that somebody who had symptoms and a more serious case and recovered does. We just don't know. So as usual, Trump is clueless and he's erring rather than on the side of caution. He's erring on the side of belligerence. Later, Trump was asked why the White House is holding in-person parties with hundreds of people violating the CDC guidelines. And Trump says, well, listen, these are Christmas parties. Some of these officials here in this room have encouraged Americans not to travel this holiday season, not to go to large gatherings across the street. You've been holding holiday parties with hundreds of people, many not wearing masks. Why are you modeling a different behavior to the American people than what your yeah. scientists tell? Well, they're Christmas parties. And uh, frankly, we've reduced the number very substantially, as you know. And I see a lot of people at the parties wearing masks. I mean, I, ha I would say that uh, I look out at the audience at those parties and we have a lot of people wearing masks. And I think that's a good thing. Oh, right. A Christmas party. If it's Christmas, then I guess you're protected somehow. It's different than, you know, Hanukkah party or Super Bowl party. That's different. These are Christmas parties. After all, they're indoor events with literally hundreds of people. And then lastly here, 
Trump calls for judges and Republican legislators to have what he calls the courage to help him overthrow the election results, unable to accept what has taken place here. I received almost 75 million votes, the highest number of votes in the history of our country for a sitting president, 12 million more than the 63 million we received four years ago. President Obama received three million less in his second term, and he won easily. I received 12 million more, which, by the way, is a record, 12 million more. And they say that when the numbers came out and the numbers came through machines and all of those ballots were taken away and added, all you have to do is turn on your local television set and you'll see what happened. So another embarrassing, shameful, destructive Q&A session for Donald Trump. And uh, as we continue to move towards uh, the end of the year holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah starting very soon, very much looking forward to it. Um, we are increasingly hearing rumors that Donald Trump is sort of going to just go to Florida and maybe never come back to Washington, D.C. He'll just kind of disappear. He may never concede. He may not be at the inauguration. He may just kind of be gone and then maybe start campaigning for 2024. Still a question mark, but I don't anticipate too many more of these Q&A sessions. Let's now focus in on this vaccine executive order that I mentioned earlier. You really have to see this next clip. Uh, I already told you yesterday and we just discussed in our previous clip Donald Trump's vaccine executive order that he signed at yesterday's vaccine summit, which we don't understand. Donald Trump's executive order says that the U.S. government will work to secure coronavirus vaccine doses for the United States before other countries get them. Now, it's not really clear what the enforcement of that would be. It's not clear what enforcement is even legally possible. It's not clear what authority the United States has to obtain vaccines for us before other countries get them. We weren't the only ones confused by this executive order. And yesterday, Donald Trump's vaccine chief, who I'm actually more or less happy with, he's been doing a relatively good job at not politicizing the vaccine program. Uh, he's seemed immune, for lack of a better term, uh, to pressure uh, from pressure to say things that he doesn't believe. I'm talking about Dr. Monsef Slawi. He was interviewed by ABC's George Stephanopoulos yesterday, and you have to see this. George Stephanopoulos says to him, what is Trump's vaccine executive order about? Like, what does it do? And Slowey doesn't even pretend. He just says, I have no idea whatsoever. He just sort of shrugs and raises his eyebrows. He has no this is Trump's vaccine chief. No idea what Trump's executive order is about. Check it out. It's like a Greek tragedy. Can you explain this executive order the president is going to be putting out? I, I don't quite understand. He's saying that uh, foreign countries aren't going to be able to get the vaccine until everybody here in the United States gets it. It sounds like the problem is the opposite right now. Pfizer has made deals with other countries that are going to limit the supply here. Frankly, I don't know. And frankly, I'm staying out of this. So I can't comment. I, you I, don't, I know? don't know. But you're yes. the chief science advisor for Operation Warp Speed. Our work is is, you know, rolling. We have plans. We feel that we can deliver the vaccines as needed. So I, I don't know exactly what what this order is about. Just amazing optics. Slowy just washing his hands of this altogether. I have no idea. I'm not involved in it. 
not even pretending to try to explain it. But the key thing here is actually what George Stephanopoulos says, which is the problem is the opposite. Trump signing an executive order saying get us vaccines before other countries. Thanks to Trump turning down 100 million vaccine doses in the late summer, other countries are going to get vaccine doses before us. The UK already vaccinating people as one example. So the, the backstory again, if you missed yesterday's show, I'll quickly remind you. Trump was offered back in late summer the opportunity to get 100 million more doses of the Pfizer vaccine secured for the United States. And Trump said no. And so Pfizer went and sold those doses to other countries, as, as they would obviously do. And that includes the UK uh, and some European Union countries have also secured vaccines. Now we've learned that thanks to that decision, the US is not likely to get a second tranche of the Pfizer vaccine doses until June of 2021. This is just because Trump turned down 100 million doses. So Trump is now panicking and he put together this completely flaccid, impotent executive order, which appears to do nothing other than maybe make it look like he's doing something to cover up that failure from the summer when he could simply have said, yeah, we'll take the doses, of course. And now you have vaccine chief Dr. Monsef Slawi on national TV saying, I have no idea what that is. That is about washing his hands completely and saying I'm not involved. Now, one interesting thing is that you can tell fear of Trump is, is palpably waning as Trump gets closer and closer to being an ex president. Slawi himself might have answered this question the same way at any point. But in total, when you look at other Republicans and other people ancillary to the Trump administration, they seem more and more willing to just say things as they are rather than bending over backwards the way we saw them do for so long to pretend that what Trump is saying and doing makes even an iota of sense. Now, as far as the executive order, it again feels sort of like when Donald Trump's uh, dad, Fred Trump, was suffering from dementia and he'd go to his office and he would uh, uh, dial, he'd call people on his phone, but the phone would only go to his secretary and he would shuffle around stacks of paper and sign things that were completely meaningless as if he was working. Nobody's really paying attention anymore. And Trump's executive order, it does nothing. It's not even clear what the enforcement would or could possibly be. We're getting into a very strange kind of lame duck period with Donald Trump. And as a reminder, six weeks, we have six weeks, I believe, to the day, right? I think January 20th is a Wednesday. I believe we are six weeks to the day uh, of all of this, all of this ending, and we will all be much better for it. Let's take a quick break. Make sure you are following the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash David Pakman show. We will talk about Jenna Ellis now having the virus, and I have a bunch of other things to discuss with you. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. If you ever feel like you just don't have enough time to read all the books you want to read, you have to check out one of my favorite apps called Blinkist. Blinkist takes thousands of popular nonfiction books and distills each one down into an ebook or audiobook that you can get through in just 15 minutes where you're getting all the key takeaways from the book. Just imagine how you'll be able to expand your horizons and knowledge by being able to soak up all of the important insights from 10 different books in an afternoon. Obviously, it's perfect for exposing yourself to a new book you otherwise wouldn't have time for, or you can use it to revisit a book you've already read 
or use it to preview a book before you buy the full version and read it. I recently read A Brief History of Time, of course, by the great Stephen Hawking. This is a book that I have been aware of for so long and other things got in the way. And it was fantastic to check it out on Blinkist. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So earlier this week, uh, uh, Donald Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, tested positive for coronavirus. And now another Trump attorney, Jenna Ellis, has tested positive as well. These are the primary two Trump lawyers who have been waging this completely pointless and bogus, baseless war to overturn the election results based on imaginary voter fraud. Jonathan Swan from Axios reporting on the story, tweeting that President Trump's lawyer Jenna Ellis has informed associates she has coronavirus. Multiple sources tell Axios stirring West Wing fears after she attended a senior staff Christmas party on Friday. So a few different things here. Number one, is this surprising? No, you know that she's not been taking precautions. She's not been staying home. She's not been avoiding indoor crowds. She's not been wearing a mask. Um, She and Rudy Giuliani have been flying around the country daily in a pandemic since the election, during the worst period we've had since the beginning of the pandemic and also attending at least Jenna Ellis did a White House party and other larger events. They're frequently maskless at these so-called hearings and events. So Rudy got it. Jenna got it. And now there's panic at the White House because she was with a huge swath of White House staffers on Friday. And that may end up becoming another one of these super spreader events. She reportedly had no mask there and it's all a complete and total mess. Now, of course, I wish no one ill. I hope she recovers, even though she's part of the problem. I'd never wish illness or death upon anyone. What I want to mention is that there is something sort of poetic about the virus that they ignored and didn't deal with now shutting down their harebrained, ill-advised attempts to overturn the results of an election that Donald Trump simply lost partially because of his his mishandling of the virus by infecting his legal team. I'm not saying it's karma. I'm not saying it's divine intervention. I'm just saying there's something ironic, poetic, whatever, that part of the reason Trump lost is his his mishandling of the virus. That same virus is now what is going to interfere with Trump making a legal case that he should be the winner anyway, despite having lost. Now that Rudy is sidelined, Jenna Ellis is sidelined. Does this sort of naturally force the voter fraud nonsense? the hearings, the legal filings to kind of peter out, or are they going to try to push it remotely via Zoom? One report is that Rudy sometime this week is going to be joining another one of these hearings remotely from his hospital room. Now, by the way, that's a whole other issue. Um, Some leaked, I guess you would call them exchanges between Rudy Giuliani and Trump's doctor have been reported on. And the allegation is 
that Trump's doctor called Rudy and said, Rudy, go to the hospital when Rudy tested positive. And Rudy said, I feel fine. Why? Why would I don't I don't want to go to the hospital? And Trump's doctor reportedly told Rudy, listen, Rudy, just go. We can get this dealt with in three days by giving you the same treatment Trump got. And presumably what this means is if you take someone and you monitor them immediately, you monitor their oxygen levels, you scan them regularly at the sign of any decreased uh, uh, at any time of, of any concerning vital sign. You immediately deal with that so that the body can continue fighting the virus. There's no question is the point that if everybody could get the treatment that Trump got and that now Rudy Giuliani is getting just by, hey, I'm going to check myself into a hospital and get top treatments and best doctors and all of that, way more people would survive. And we know that intuitively. And it appears as though they're saying it to Rudy in uncertain terms. We can deal with this in three days if we do what we did uh, with Donald Trump and monitoring you for 72 hours. It wouldn't probably apply to everybody, but it would save a lot of lives if everybody could could get that. But coronavirus causing the end of this absur absurd campaign to overturn the results of an election that Trump lost in part because he ignored the virus early on. That really is something. I mean, you know, what they said was 15 cases that would soon be zero back in April has now infected Trump, Trump's son, Don Jr., Trump's other son, Barron, Trump, uh, Don Jr.'s girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, Trump's personal personal lawyer, his campaign lawyer, his press secretary, a bunch of Republican senators and on and on and on. And I caught a discussion on right wing uh, on, in a right wing Internet forum yesterday where right wingers were suspicious about why is it that when prominent Democrats get the virus, it isn't covered by the so-called fake news media. Now, the reason for that is that it's mostly prominent Republicans that are getting the virus because Democrats are taking the virus more seriously. Imagine at this point, at this stage of the game, having the lack of ability to reflect on something like that and, and coming away with the idea that they, the media covers up prominent Democratic covid cases. No. It's that it's mostly prominent Republicans getting it because they're doing things like what Rudy Giuliani and, and Jenna Ellis have been doing and people wondering, is she going to get the same privilege as Rudy and getting checked into a top notch hospital for observation as a precaution? Chris Christie was able to do it. Of course, Trump was able to do it. I have no idea. But what I can tell you for sure is that so many Americans would have survived the virus had they been able to do the same thing, many of whom were behaving far more responsibly than Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis. I mean, tragically, um, there are people who wear a mask every time they leave their home, work from home, do nothing other than go to the grocery store and they've gotten the virus and some of them have died. They didn't have access to this type of treatment. Rudy Giuliani flies around the country waging a bogus voter fraud case, shutting down the Arizona state legislature due to exposing those folks. And he just gets to check in and get the absolute top treatment. You know, it's part of that two tier system that we talk about. This next clip is, is hilarious. We're seeing the equivalent of competing temper tantrums happening right now. Right wing media that's loyal to Trump is having a temper tantrum as they realize Trump's going to leave office. Trump lost. Joe Biden won. None of these ridiculous attempts to steal the election are going to work. So that's one temper tantrum. On the other side, meanwhile, you have some Trump advisors increasingly having a temper tantrum that more and more media are acknowledging that Trump won. 
You understand the competing temper tantrums here. And the day before yesterday, this came together and it was just glorious. I mean, this is it, this is a pleasure to watch. And it was made even better by a slight connection delay between the two people involved. And this was a conversation between Fox business host Lou Dobbs and huge who, by the way, is a huge Trumpist himself and then radical, unhinged extremist Trump advisor Stephen Miller. So check out this clip. And what it seems like is happening here is Lou Dobbs is mad at Republicans for not standing behind Trump and not fighting more fighting to steal an election that Trump lost, by the way. And Stephen Miller is mad, apparently, at states and governors when they seem to then start getting mad at each other. The connection delay makes it even funnier. Lou Dobbs seems mad at Stephen Miller. And it's just a complete fiasco. And this is truly people who have no idea what to do. They're falling apart like a kid who missed their nap. Take a look at this. Republicans do nothing, Stephen. Nothing. It's it's what it's, a, it's an outrage. Is wrong. It's, right. well, what's wrong with and, the Republican Party? Where is the outrage? It's really on the tens of millions. Tens of millions of ballots. Where the hell are the Republicans? No, sing no signature checks. Where the hell are the yeah. Republicans? You're right. Where Lou. are they? Tens of millions of ballots nationwide. No signature checks. No citizenship checks. No residency checks. No age checks. No criminal record checks. Not even checking if you're alive or dead. Now, of course, what Stephen Miller is saying is absurd. No, we're not checking if people are alive. You can't vote if you're dead. Physically, you can't do it. No citizenship check. You can't even register to vote if you're not a citizen. These are the same old tired talking points that they keep using. And this conversation kept escalating as Lou Dobbs claims Republicans have abandoned Donald Trump. Take a look. Are we a third world country? Are we a banana republic? What has it come to? If Did anybody count ever, only legal ballots yeah, well, from U.S. citizens, let me tell you what this it's president to. gets four more years. Let me and, and, and you know, from your lips to God's ears, uh, the reality is that this president right now is fighting. And let's be straightforward about it. He's fighting all alone. And Ted Cruz has stepped up to say he'll argue before the Supreme Court. Why on God's green earth wouldn't the White House jump on it? Why shouldn't they accept and, and, that right now? And I'll just say this one other thing, though. If three state legislatures I just outlined, one correction in no, Wisconsin. No, no, Stephen, I won't let you say I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. I ask a question. You and I, we're reasonably smart and decent fellows. They are reasonably smart and decent. They just want an election that Joe Biden won to be overturned without evidence and given to the man they worship. These are guys. These are recent, reasonably smart and decent people who just want the democratic process thrown in the toilet and Trump awarded a victory. They just disagree about how to do it. Lou Dobbs is mad at Republican senators, while I guess Stephen Miller is mad at Republican governors. But now Lou Dobbs demands an answer from Stephen Miller. Why don't you hire Ted Cruz as a lawyer to fight this battle? Why don't you answer me? That's all I'm asking here, Stephen. Why don't you guys jump and salute Ted Cruz and say, yes, we want you on the team now. My God, this is not a time for internecine nonsense on the part of the Republican Party, which is watching its blood drain into the streets because they're gutless. Consider how absurd 
Lou Dobbs idea is to hire Ted Cruz as a lawyer to steal the election, hire a sitting senator to also be a lawyer from the for the president. It's just a farcical idea. And it's actually funny because Lou, I don't know if you saw, but Lou Dobbs did something there that's rarely done on right wing media to Trump advisors and Trump sycophants. Lou Dobbs interrupted Stephen Miller and said, you're not answering the question. So this proves what we suspected, which is they do know these journalists do know how to do it, but they're choosing not to unless they don't like the answer. Lou Dobbs, in this case, didn't like the answer. So we're seeing everything in the last few weeks. We're seeing some rats abandoning the ship and sort of eating each other on the way out. We're seeing some rats go down with the ship. Kaylee McKenney would be an example of that. Um, you're seeing people who are going the direction of sort of like pretending none of this ever happened. And uh, it, it really is like the best comedy team on television. You know, Rudy gets covid put Ted Cruz on the case. It's laughable and hilarious and it will be over soon. I'm not here to tell you help is on the way. That's not my catchphrase. It will be over soon is the catchphrase that uh, that I'm going with here. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. This is really funny. So last week when I was teasing the bonus show, previewing the stories on the bonus show, I had a verbal slip and I, I called it the boner show. And we chose not to edit it out because we don't edit the show. We actually we do the, the show is just we just film it and that's the show. And it was sort of funny. And there were expectedly memes and there were songs and remixes and all this different stuff. But there are now lots of callers who are casually referring to it as the boner show in voicemails. And that's not even like the main point of the call. And I have one such call today about that. But this is actually really, really interesting. Uh, the other day, Pat and I took the New York Times dialect quiz. I mentioned having friends from the South who claim I have a New York accent. And sometimes people call into the show and say I have a Boston accent, but I don't have either. I didn't grow up in Boston or New York. And I did this New York Times dialect quiz and it came back saying I have a southern western New England accent primarily, which is accurate. That's exactly where I grew up and that I have elements of my uh, dialect in English that are typically from Yonkers, New York and Pembroke Pines, Florida. Now, I hypothesized, I wonder if there is some aspect of what is sometimes called the Jewish American dialect that would be centered around Yonkers and Pembroke Pines that has kind of uh, that there are traces of it in my speech. And this caller who, again, casually refers to the bonus show as the boner show has a different explanation for those elements of my speech. Take a listen. This is really interesting. Hey, David, I was listening to your bonus show the other day and you were talking about <laughs> how you took the quiz to determine your dialect. Yes. And I believe that one of the pin, it pinpointed you to be having a dialect from the Pembroke Pines, Florida area. Well, I have an office in Pembroke Pines. I'm familiar with the area. And I believe you attributed that to perhaps your Jewish heritage, but I would like to set the record straight on please, that. Please, please. Pembroke Pines is, has a very high Hispanic population, about over 40% Hispanic, primarily college educated, mostly from South America. So I believe that may be where that hint of dialect may have come from. So that is very, very interesting. And in fact, um, if you look at uh, Pembroke Pine, uh, at uh, Yonkers, New York, 
which is the other place where my my accent has traces, has roots. There's also a large Hispanic population in, in Yonkers. So th that may be accurate. And I was thinking back, you know, when I first moved to the United States, I only knew two words. I knew the word stop and I knew the word blue. And I remember leaving JFK Airport and seeing a stop sign. What are the odds? You know, a five year old me. What are the odds that right away I see a word that I know this is going to go really, really easily? It's going to be great. Um, and of course, it was difficult. But the early folks when I was in school, they had, you know, sort of like helpers. Uh, this is when schools, I think, were maybe better funded and there was more staffing. But some of the other um, uh, kids who were learning English coming from Spanish speaking countries, uh, there, were, there were sort of like helpers who spoke English with accents. They were native Spanish speakers who spoke English with accents. And I wonder my early English exposure other than Mr. Rogers was my parents who speak English with an accent sourced from uh, Spanish language and the helpers at school who would have that exact same accent in English, having learned English as a second language. So I believe that this caller may very much be on to something very, very much be on to something. OK. That's it. I went on for a long time, but that's the story uh, on today's bonus show. Texas has now sued four different states over election results to try to overturn the election for Donald Trump. Does Texas even have standing to sue other states? We will talk about that on today's bonus show. Australia is going to make Facebook and Google pay news outlets for content. How will that work? We will discuss it. And Rudy Giuliani, I mean, th th think about the absurdity of this. Rudy Giuliani yesterday went on a rant against masks and against covid restrictions from his hospital room where he is being treated for coronavirus, which he caught by not wearing a mask and traveling around the country. It's beyond belief. All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Get instant access by becoming a member at joinpacman.com. Coupon code available if you want it. Fresh start. Or get access to the bonus show by becoming a uh, patron at patreon.com slash David Pacman Show. <laughs>